Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Very excited for our guest today, Paul Begala. But uh, we'll get to him in a second. First, I just want to thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, and we'll read a few next time. And we're going to read some now. Here's some recent emails. Uh, from Heather Coleman of Houston. Thank you for being a voice of sanity and humor in these tricky times. Being a female and a Democrat in Texas feels hopeless at times, even though Houston is blue. Over 9, mil over 9 million people did not vote in 2022 in Texas, and now we are stuck with Hot Wheels for what feels like an eternity. Thank you for having Jasmine Crockett on your show. Carolyn Marks Blackwood from upstate New York writes, Last podcast, really good. I, too, am constantly asking myself how so many millions of people can be so delusional and insane. Then I remind myself of where they got their, quote, news information, which shapes their reality. The Dominion case seems to be the only place where disinformation is being called out. Steve Denari of Portland, Oregon writes, I just want to say that your podcast is amazing. Thanks, Steve. Week after week, you have great guests and great conversations. It's an absolute treat to listen to, and I can't wait to dig into the Griffin Dunn episode. And then we have Mike King, spelled M-Y-K-E. I'm not sure if that's a man or a woman or even uh, a real name. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, Mike says, okay, we have got to hear you sing some Dylan songs. So please devote one of your podcasts to your singing and playing the guitar. Or at least half of your podcast. Not kidding. It will be fun. Your most faithful listener. Well, thank you, Mike. And thank you, uh, Steve and Carolyn and Heather for writing. And uh, again, uh, if you're out there, give us a shout. And we'll read yours on the air. Uh, but uh, let's let's think about what Mike said for a second. Maybe we should uh, have some fun here. Should we have some fun here? Some Bob Dylan fun? It would be nice. Yeah. You think? Yeah. But you see, I'm a little confused because I don't know... I don't know which uh, Bob Dylan Mike wants. Might be Mickey. Could be Mickey. But does Mike or Mickey <clears throat> want the 60s Greenwich Village folky Dylan? That's what Will I it? want. I want that one. Okay. Well, it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal, like you never done before. Well, it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal. I can't hear you anymore. When your rooster crows at the break of dawn, look out your window and I'll be gone. You're the reason I've been traveling on. I don't think twice it's all right. Or maybe, maybe Mike wants the 1965 Newport Folk Festival electric bob. All right, what? let's hear it. <laughs> Once upon a time you dressed so fine through the bums of dime in your prime. Didn't you? Or maybe, maybe uh, they're looking for the uh, country Bob Dylan, the Nashville Skyline Bob Dylan. Hmm. That's a good one. Lay, lady, lay. Lay across your big brass bed. <laughs> or maybe they just want the angry 1970s Bob Dylan. Idiot wind. Blow in every time you move your teeth. You're an idiot, babe. It's a wonder that you still know how to breathe. Or maybe they just want the modern day American classics, Bob Dylan. Uh-oh. You are my sunshine. My only sunshine. You make me happy with skies of gray. You'll never know, dear. How much I love you. So please don't take my sunshine away. I don't know. So pick your Bob Dylan. Chills. 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 Like Chills. he's with us here. Yeah. You'll never know the hurt I suffered and all the pain I rise above. One of the best Bob Dylan lyrics ever. So anyway, uh, I hope two things. I hope that I made the Bob Dylan uh, fans happy. And I hope I didn't just embarrass and humiliate the shit out of myself. So, there you go. All right, so that brings us to uh, not one, not two, but three big things this week. Because it was a busy, busy week for news. All right, so we got to start with, with the, the biggest news, which broke last night. Uh, or actually, I think, very significant news, which, which is uh, the Tennessee 
three decision. Two uh, young black men, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, and then Gloria Johnson, who's a 60-year-old white woman. So these three were up for expulsion. And I'm going to ask you, which of those three, which two of those three people do you think got expelled? The two young black guys or the white woman? What state is this again? Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Tennessee. Mm -hmm. There ain't no place I'd rather be. I'm in a singing mood. That was not Bob Dylan. Uh, So two young black guys get expelled and the white woman stays. Now, granted, the white woman won by one vote. You needed Mm -hmm. 66 votes to get expelled. She stays in the House of Representatives uh, by a vote of 66 to 55. uh, 65. Absurd. This is what you have to expect from Tennessee. They're showing exactly what, what they're made of. And they have never expelled anyone other than for crimes before. And this was a decorum incident, which obviously doesn't rise to this. Basically, you have a bunch of old white guys who are racist. And that's yeah, really I mean, it's, it's abusive. It's an abuse of power. And, it's, it's, it's horrifying. And the they, shamelessness and the blatant aspect to it all is just, it's staggering, even for today's un conscionable Republican Party. And they actually had the nerve to accuse the Justins of having a temper tantrum. And this is why they were thrown out. Worse, worse. Uh, Speaker Sexton, what did he say? He said this was on the same level of the insurrection or actually maybe worse. So he said this was what they did by standing up and taking a little bullhorn and saying, we want to protest that... Three nine-year-old kids were massacred in school. That's what they were protesting because it's, it's, it's important not to lose sight of that. They were upset about ch- children and adults getting slaughtered at the Covenant School massacre in, in Nashville and, and uh, mass shooting in Nashville. And so he is equating them getting up and speaking out of turn with thousands of angry Trumpsters storming the Capitol, beating the shit out of cops. People died, pissing and shitting all over the place, destroying property, stealing property. What these three did was worse than that. Well, especially the two black ones, apparently. I, I mean, it is, it is, I, I say this all the time, just when you think this party can't go deeper to the bottom, they find a way. Well, they're beholden to the NRA much more so than dead children. It's even beyond, but it's beyond that. It's just there's it. They are, they are diseased with racism. I mean, they might as well have been standing in that chamber, chamber last night with white robes and white uh, hoods because they just don't give a fuck. And this is the legacy. You know, we could tie back all of this to Trump. This is going to be the ultimate legacy of Trump that he has unleashed the beast and it is never going back, in my opinion, never going back into the cage. This is true. He's completely disinhibited all of the racists. It's the 50s again. They don't, you know, the the Klansmen, today's Klansmen, because let's call them that, because that's what they are. They're not out in the woods at night, you know, in an empty field burning a cross. They're doing this shit on live TV. And the birthplace of the Klan was Tennessee. That's right. So I'd love to know what the uh, legal uh, repercussions are for the two Justins. Well, there are some legal recourse for them or political recourse for them. You know, they because now they have to be replaced, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently, there's there's some uh, opportunity that the local commission of their their districts can actually reappoint them. But the issue then becomes, can they be reappointed now or do they have to wait to 24? Oh. So there, there is some exploring of, of the rules. And I'm sure a lot of these rules are old and ancient and archaic. And there, there's going to be, you know, uh, interpretation issues. And that may end up in court because the, 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 the rule book might say something, but everyone might not agree on what it means. Mm-hmm. And then that must mean that may mean that they're going to file a suit and do something. But but the bigger issue is this isn't over for these guys. I mean, Justin Pearson, that, that dude is like the reincarnation of Martin Luther King. Justin Jones is also an incredibly passionate, powerful 
speaker who, who they were all going places. Yeah. They were all amplified and now given a platform that they never would have had before. You know, a week ago, they were, they were literally in relative obscurity. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. anonymous relative obscurity. They were just, you know, three house members in Tennessee. Who cares? Now they are at the top of the heap of nationally prominent political leaders. And as two young black men, that is fucking awesome. And one thing the Republicans can't seem to manage, they just overreach on everything. I mean, we saw this with abortion and we'll talk about Wisconsin in a Mm -hmm. moment. And that was a perfect example of overreach. Yeah. Well, it's as as if they looked at Wisconsin on Tuesday and said, wait a second, Uh, we're not happy being second fiddle to that bunch of ignorant racists and those ignorant racists in that state, we're going to be even more tone deaf and more ignorant and more stupid and, and racist and end up in the same damn place next time at the polls. And it's like, to your point, Maddie, it's like they don't learn. They never learn. They can look at um, almost every major election in the last six years, every special election, every amendment, whether it's for abortion or other things, they have lost everything except for a small majority in the house they have lost everything it's because they are completely utterly out of step with the american people and to the point we were making before about trump they're just unabashedly racist and they think there's no consequence to that even though they keep seeing themselves lose Yes, and the only reason they have that majority in the House is because of incredible gerrymandering, which allows a minority of the American public be represented by a majority of the House. Absolutely. Agree. And I just on the other the other point is not only did Tennessee try to outdo Wisconsin, we also have Kansas enacting a law which basically will uh, put you in jail if you help a minor across the border right. to have an abortion. No, they, there's the, these movements, as they've learned from Dobbs, are not helping their cause. They're empowering the left, they're empowering progressives, they're empowering young people. You know, these people, these kids went into that chamber a week ago to protest a mass shooting. They walked out being handed one of the biggest pro-democracy causes in history. Anti-racist causes added to the mass shooting gun violence cause. And it was just such a, stupid, childish, immature, vindictive, petty thing for Republicans in that state to do. Without, They had no thought process before they did it. Well, they had to outdo all these other crazy states. And we just have to make one quick mention of Florida, because earlier in the week, DeSantis, behind closed doors, signed legislation to allow you to carry a gun without a permit for anything, basically. Yeah. No, they're... Where they have, like in Tennessee, they have a supermajority in the House. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay... Let's do something stupid because we can. All right. Just wait. Wait. You wait and see whether or not Tennessee is going to join states like Georgia and Arizona and the Michigan State House and Wisconsin uh, in terms of either flipping in, in, in control or becoming more purple and... And it's all because they're just shooting themselves in the in the feet. So you mentioned Wisconsin, Janet Protasewicz, who is a former teacher and uh, Milwaukee County judge, Democrat. She defeated Daniel Kelly, a conservative, former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. Uh, that flips the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court from 5-4 Republican to 5-4 Democrat or 5-4 conservative to 5-4 liberal. And the significance of this is that it's going to uh, likely pave the way to overturn the abortion bans and uh, get to roll up the sleeves and get to work in undoing all the ridiculous redistrict- redistricting. I mean, I- I've seen maps of some districts in, West- in Wisconsin that the Republicans have carved out, uh, and it's just stunning what they've done. And so all of that can change. But now some Republicans who can't ever take loss and uh, are a bunch of whiny, sore, sore losers. They're now claiming like, you know, because they have such a majority in the, in the state houses that, uh, you know, we could, we could impeach a, just, a Supreme Court justice if they don't, you know, do the right thing. And so we're seeing these cases, whether it's Tennessee or Wisconsin, Wisconsin Trump, et cetera, where the very fabric of our democracy itself is being attacked. 
and you can't disagree with people anymore. In Tennessee, you, dis- you disagree with us and you got up and you, you protested with a bullhorn for a few minutes. You're going to, you're going to, the American people who voted for you, the people of Tennessee who voted for you, their rights are being stripped now. Elected leaders can be expelled. Expelled. It's just insane what's going on. Uh, one other point about Wisconsin is, of, of course, this was about abortion. And of course, it was about uh, giving unions rights again in Wisconsin. But the other part of this is 2024. And the J6 people were dependent on the Supreme Court in Wisconsin being able to throw out votes in Wisconsin because they were going to overrule whatever happened. And now they don't have that right. And they're starting to say the quiet part out loud. And they're saying they don't see a way in 2024 to win. Yeah. Well, look, it. And just a shout out to young people who voted in Wisconsin, uh, because, you know, you can go to college, you can vote in the state Mm -hmm. if you register. So, you know, kudos, young people continue to have your voice heard, Mm -hmm. continue to vote. It does make a difference. Yeah. And you're going to see what's going to happen in Tennessee. If you think young people, young people of color are not going to be flying to the polls in 24, you got you're deluding yourself. This is going to galvanize get out the vote movement like we've never seen before. So it's, you know, hashtag backfire. Last but not least, uh, Mr. Trump, Mm. as Michael Cohen would say, he was arrested. He was arrested. And um, let's, uh, let's go to that clip. So here we are now. It's where we were today. In a city that was so great just four or five years ago. But now we're there. Spend time there today as you possibly read. With a local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history on a basis that every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case, there's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. Virtually everyone, but it's far worse than that because he knew there was no case. That's why last week he delayed for a month and then immediately took that back and threw this ridiculous indictment together. Came out today, everybody said, this is not really an indictment, there's nothing here. My lawyers came to me and they said, there's nothing here, they're not even saying what you did. You know, when you play a Trump clip, it's like, okay, where do I start? But look, we're not going to belabor the Trump thing because uh, it is what it is at this point. He got arrested, he got indicted, and he's uh, there's going to be a hearing in December, and there's going to be a trial, and the chips will fall where they may. But he certainly doesn't sound like a man who believes that there's nothing there, that there's no case. In fact, he sounds just the opposite. Uh, the stuff that he says is just made up. The only thing he didn't throw in there is usually when he's making up lies he always throws in sir because whenever he says someone says sir to him yeah. it never happened he left out the sir on that i noticed that the too. sir and so he was warned one of the things that happened is that he was warned warned not ordered there was no gag order per se although that's probably coming but he was warned by the judge to just play it cool don't attack me don't attack you know the da just don't attack the judicial process and uh what did mr mr trump do And this is where we are right now. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family whose daughter worked for Kamala Harris and now receives money from the Biden-Harris campaign and a lot of it. Trump-hating wife and the Biden-Biden. I think I've hit on my Trump. I found the key to unlock my Trump. It's, I'm not going to do Trump. It's Jerry Lewis. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's him. Yeah. This. Unhinged. This indictment. It's not fair. It's a tragedy of justice. Uh, Lady. All right. So he really, the judge said, hey, Trump, shut the fuck up. And what did Trump do? He went out that night after he was arrested, spoke at Mar-a-Lago, and he basically said to the judge, no, you shut the fuck up. So we're going to see where that goes, because I do believe a gag order is coming, because we know that Trump can't shut the fuck up. And he's just going to keep attacking and inciting violence. And that's going to get him in hot water. I mean, I, I, we live in an age where like if you like if I got arrested and I had a judge, I'd be like, yes, sir. Yes, oh, that's the nicest judge there is. He's a great judge. His family's even nicer. 
not Trump. And then so at this Mar-a-Lago speech, which, by the way, if you watched it or saw any of it, he was rambling. It was low energy, plaintive, dishonest, angry, desperate. It was a woe of me, woe is me stream of unhinged consciousness. Democrat district attorney in Atlanta, who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect phone call. Well, day after day, over the boxes hoax, you know, the boxes hoax, as we call it. Letitia James vowed to use every area of the law to, quote, investigate President Trump and his business transactions. We have this Jack Smith lunatic threatening people every single day through his representatives, charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history. Let it be known that the party that attacks Joe Biden for the way he speaks worships a man who says, you can't make this stuff up, kids. Anyway, he's still getting supported up the wazoo by the Republicans. I mean, Lindsey Graham, Graham the other night, did you see that? Lindsey Graham with sporting his new blonde hairdo, which is getting really weird and creepy. Like, what's ha what's next? Like Not a just the orange hairdo, Lily right? Pulitzer dress? Like, what's happening? I think he's tinting his skin. It looks a little orange. He was crying. He was like, I know I'm so upset, but you got to send him money. Send him money. I, I, like, what is happening? I mean... Trump aside, what the fuck is happening with Lindsey Graham? I, He's losing his mind. I haven't seen him this upset since uh, he was defending Trump at the J6 hearings. All right. We've, we've got to move on. Winners and losers. I'm going to go first. My winner, Janet Protasiewicz, the state of Wisconsin, democracy, and women's and reproductive rights. My loser, the Tennessee legislature, for its disgusting, shameless display of blatant racism. Same. And same. Well, I just want I just want to comment though that I can't believe that we live in the United States at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, for my winner, because I, both of you were so obvious winners and losers. Completely. But there were a lot of winners and losers, but I went with Finland and NATO for my winner because they just doubled the size of NATO's border with Russia, and of course did make Putin a loser. But that's not my loser. My loser is former Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly, who lost in that election in Wisconsin and really showed us what the opposite of gracious concession speech is, because it was horrific. I did hear that, and it was horrific. All right, so that brings us to our rant this week. Donald Trump. So he was arrested and arraigned, charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records and an alleged scheme to cover up violations of New York election law, which is a felony. The area around Lower Manhattan, the courthouse, was an absolute circus, a spectacle. Inside Collect Pond Park, across from the courthouse was like being at Comic-Con. I was there for it all. The protests, the libs versus MAGA shouting matches, George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and even the naked cowboy, who I learned is a diehard Trumper, and who sang to me that we libs should be jealous of Trump because I'll be arraigned in New York court today and I'll be in Mar, Mar Logo tonight with Melania and I'll be banging her all day long. And then I looked at him and I said, well, that sounds almost as bad as being arrested. I chatted with many Trumpers, trying unsuccessfully to even get a morsel of logic from them, even choosing out those who were the most well-dressed and seemed the most sane. Yet I confirmed what I already knew, that there's absolutely nothing, I repeat, nothing Trump can ever do to lose their cultish support. He was one million percent right. He literally could shoot someone and they'd just yell, that nun deserved it. I was also right behind the railing, just five feet away as Trump's motorcade turned onto Hogan Place to drop him at the entrance to Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office. Now, some folks in the media and others have wondered why anyone would give Trump the attention he craves, why anyone would show up at the courthouse, why anyone would partake in this spectacle. My answer is simple. Donald Trump is a sexist, racist, corrupt, treasonous pig who took a big giant shit on this country and will never, ever be able to clean it all up. I've waited eight long years to finally see this sociopath held accountable. And so you could bet your damn ass I was going to be right there watching him drive five feet from me as he was about to be arrested. All right, let's get to Paul Begala. Paul is a CNN political commentator, consultant, and New York Times bestselling author. His most recent book was The Election Year Hit, 
You're fired. The perfect guide to beating Donald Trump. He's also been a columnist for Newsweek and the Daily Beast and was one of the founding contributing editors of his late friend JFK Jr.'s magazine, George. But perhaps most notably, he helped engineer Bill Clinton's winning presidential campaign in 1992 with his partner, James Carville. He later served as counselor to the president, serving as one of President Clinton's closest aides and coordinating policy, politics, and communications. In the 2012 campaign, Paul was a senior advisor for the pro-Obama Super PAC, making Begala one of the few people to play a critical role in electing two different presidents. Paul, welcome into the back room. Again. Maybe good to be back. Yes. yes thanks back. for having me back. Yeah, no. Uh, I just feel, you know, I, I got to apologize. I feel I feel bad because it's been such a slow news week. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I'm, I don't know what, well, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, not, no, not, not too much. Uh, yeah, can I tell you what we have not talked about enough that I actually think 50 years from now is what this year will be remembered for? Mm -hmm. Finland joining NATO. Oh, totally. Huge Biden accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Huge. This is something... Going back to Harry Truman, America has wanted Finland in the community of nations. So uh, this week, actually, NATO celebrated its 74th birthday. It started mostly because of the United States with 11 countries. Mm -hmm. It's now 31 countries uh, comprising 610 million America, uh, Americans, 610 million souls, people. Uh, and with Finland alone, it's only five and a half million people. But we have more than doubled freedom's border against Russia. Mm -hmm. This is... Putin's greatest nightmare. Uh, and I, I think the West's greatest victory. I think it's terrific. Uh, the Finns are tough. They know Russia. Uh, they're not scared of them, as mm -hmm. my kids would say. Uh, so th that's actually a huge thing. We haven't talked about it much because there was like traffic problems in Manhattan this week. Oh, yeah. It's a big election in Wisconsin. The Knicks lost a game, I think. Uh, oh. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's so true what you say. But, you know, it's all happening at the same time that Putin right. sits back and is watching America's Republican Party completely be utterly co-opted it's heartbreaking it, it is, is heartbreaking how do you explain that how do you explain I, I, where they are today with their support I, for russia and uh lack of support for ukraine i think for some of them they hate us more than they love freedom certainly more than they love democracy mm. Uh, Russia is not free. It's not a democracy. It's not a country to be admired. It is, John McCain used to say, it's a gas station with nuclear weapons. Hmm. Like, look around your house. Unless you drink Stoli vodka, which I don't recommend, drink Tito's from Austin, <laughs> there's nothing in your house from Russia. They're not making anything the world wants. They're, they have, it's a crap government with a crap dictator and, and uh, remarkable people. I've never been, but I mean, remarkable culture, great, you know, but Boy, Putin is a thug and a pig. And these right-wingers who want to side with him against freedom, it, it, maybe they really believe it. Maybe I'm being too kind to them mm. to say they hate us more. Uh, maybe they just really like it. Uh, I mean, if, if you look, this seems like a jump. Look at Tennessee, mm -hmm. where they thrown two members of the legislature mm -hmm. out. Right? They don't even believe in democracy. So it, it may be worse than I'm saying. It may be that they actually want uh to to kill off the uh pax americana the, mm -hmm. the world order built around freedom and democracy that you know truman and kennedy and reagan mm -hmm. and obama all the way through unbroken for 75 years mm -hmm. maybe they want to throw that all out well i think i think if you look at what's been happening if you look at everything from trying to suppress the vote stop people from voting or when they do vote overturn elections and change the results uh, support for Russia versus Ukraine, uh, banning books, blah, 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 blah. We, we, it, it's not a stretch to say we're moving towards, fa or, or at least the Republican Party is hell-bent on moving towards fascism, fascism in this country, especially when you think about the punishing of opponents, the way, wh whether it started with Trump and lock her up, or we saw in Tennessee yesterday. I mean, these, okay, they broke a rule, but like expulsion? overturning the results of an election, taking away the rights of Tennesseans to to elect members of, of their House of Representatives just because there was it's a bullhorn? I mean, it's crazy. It's unconscionable. And uh, because, as you know, I live out in rural Virginia. Mm -hmm. One of the things I do every day is listen to the BBC. So I, I get a better sense of what's going on in the world sometimes. And mm -hmm. the BBC is flawed. But gosh, they see things. That, they interviewed Justin Jones today mm -hmm. on the BBC World Service. So that means... 
you know, in, in, in Asia and in Africa and Latin America, all across Europe, they're looking at America and they're saying, what happened to the greatest democracy in world history? Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right. It's not all of them. It's a divide in there. I have a lot of Republican friends who are appalled by this. Mm -hmm. One of them, David Frum, he worked for Bush. Bush was president. Gosh, we couldn't have been more far apart. He wrote the famous, I think, flawed Axis of Evil speech, right? Mm -hmm. I hated that war. I was passionately opposed to it. I think I was right. I suspect you were on that side. Mm -hmm. But today, Frum says that the uh, the existential threat to, to democracy is from the far right. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said this several years ago. He said it publicly, but he said it to me too. He said, when the far right believes that their ultra right wing uh, theology is incompatible with democracy. They will give up on democracy, not on their ultra-right-wing views. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing. Well, it's frightening. I mean, you just look at what happened to uh, uh, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson mm -hmm. and uh, Gloria Johnson, uh, or what didn't happen to Gloria uh, Johnson. Gloria was not, that's right. <laughs> Although I, one vote, why? one mm -hmm. vote, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you okay, we have- Street? One of these things is not like the others. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's like, okay, we have three House members who were up for expulsion. Two of them were expelled. Uh, of the three, two were young black men and one was an older white woman. Guess which two of the three got expelled? And uh, it's, I mean, it's like Trump opened the cages and unleashed the beach, the, the, the beast, and the racism that ex always existed in this country. You know, it's like you have, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you had the Klansmen going out into the woods at night in an open field and burning their crosses and whatever. Then the next day, putting on their regular clothes and going to work and hope, hope nobody, you know, found out about it. Today, the, the, the cross burnings and all the, the blatant racism are in like the halls of Congress or the halls of Tennessee House of Representatives. There's no shame anymore. They're not hiding anymore. And that's what we saw yesterday. They just don't care. Well authoritarians listen to authority. They are followers, not leaders. And so you're right. I believe there's prejudice in every human soul, uh, in, in mine and in yours and everyone's, you know, in, in Martin Luther King's, right? I think that there's evil and darkness in all of us. And there's a constant struggle in, in a life and in society mm -hmm. between the forces of light and the forces of dark, right? Good and evil. When leaders take us to a particular place, we follow. And I have to say, it's more common on the right than the left. It is. It is part of their makeup. People become conservative in part because they want to follow. Uh, Rush Limbaugh's followers literally called themselves ditto heads. Mm -hmm. They just listened and obeyed, right? So this is why leadership matters. This is why in a uh, hundred years ago, there were, John Meacham wrote about this in one of his books. There were 11 senators who were members of the Klan, 16 governors, Dozens of congressmen. And as a Democrat, I am ashamed to say every one of them was a Democrat. Mm. But what happened in the hundred years since? Leaders of the Democratic Party stepped up, stood up, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, and drove the races out. Hubert Humphrey, before either of those guys had the courage. Um, and they drove those. And so it took a hundred years, but we went from the party of, you know, Bull Connor to being a party of Barack Obama. And leadership matters. Well, same thing on the right. The John Birch Society was ascendant in the 50s mm -hmm. when Eisenhower was president. Mm -hmm. Crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists. William F. Buckley, who was no liberal, and Ronald Reagan and others drove the conspiracy virtues out of the conservative movement. And so then followers listened. They said, okay, go back and look at Reagan, who I bitterly oppose. I'm sure you did. He came to the University of Texas when I was a student and uh, I was, ah, you know, of course, my old man loved him. He said, did you go see our president? Oh, I saw him, dad. <laughs> Shaking my fist at him. But he kept telling his followers that it, he played around with race. He announced for president in the show mm -hmm. County, Mississippi. He knew what he was doing. But he would tell them, though, that we're not prejudiced. We, but he was very, very pro-immigrant. So it was a different time. Mm -hmm. And it was a different time because we had different leaders on the right. So I think you're right. When Trump opens that Pandora's box, he gives permission for all of us mm -hmm. to let loose the, the demons in our souls. Instead of leaders should tell us, no, I'm a religious person. So I want my leaders to say it is sinful. It is sinful to hate your neighbor. It's natural. <laughs> That's how we're made. Mm -hmm. But it is sinful 
and, and when Trump blesses it, I'm sorry to use really, you know, but this is Holy Week for my Catholic church. So <laughs> when, when Trump blesses that crap, mm -hmm. he, he legitimizes it and he liberates it. And you're, you're right, Andy, we're seeing it all across the country, but I don't think people have changed. I think Trump and his ilk have loosed those demons. Yeah. Well, the, the guardrails are off. So with Tennessee yesterday and what you said about the BBC, clearly uh, the Tennessee three, uh, their stature has been amplified and emboldened and empowered. And uh, they are going to be in their own ways, each one of them differently perhaps, but they're going to be nationally prominent and perhaps globally prominent uh, advocates and fighters for not just gun violence, which is what brought them into that state house in the first place, but now it's about racism and demo and saving democracy. And so how much of a backfire do you think this this is going to be, especially in, a, in given as, the backdrop of what happened in Wisconsin, which I want to ask you about in a few minutes? Right. I think you're right. I think that issues of fundamental democracy, issues of gun safety, issues of abortion rights, they have moved to the fore. Uh, this is why the Republicans had such a terrible midterm. Mm -hmm. You know, with the president unpopular, gas prices high, they should have picked up 40 seats. Yeah, they picked up four. <laughs> and it's because, and Biden and Harris were right about this. I'd say I supported them, but a lot of my fellow pundits did not like, you know, Kamala Harris probably did two dozen events on abortion rights before the election. Biden gave that wonderful speech in front of Independence Hall. Oh, with the as Clinton would say, the right, they were squealing like a pig stuck under a gate. <laughs> Not bad. Well, they squeal, but Biden was right. Instead of just, oh, well, I'm going to do gas prices, which by the way are down. He said, our fundamental democratic system is on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And people responded to that. Mm -hmm. And now we are seeing it. Wisconsin, a, a classic progressive moderate state right now on the knife's edge, but with a great tradition. They decided they didn't want to go back to an 1849 law mm -hmm. regulating women's bodies on abortion rights. They decided that it's just not right. When 53% of Wisconsinites vote Democrat, they get 39% of the legislature. Mm -hmm. That's how savage gerrymandering is. So yes, I think the, uh, the, the two Justins in Tennessee are uh, going to become hero political martyrs for even the larger cause of democracy per se, but also for this, which you know better than anybody, for this cause for gun safety. Uh, and, and if you can't even talk about it on the, set, on the House floor in Tennessee, well, then you, you, you have to. I understand why they did that. You know, uh, John Lewis is one of my heroes. He let us sit in mm -hmm. on the floor of the House of Representatives in the U.S. And nobody complained. They understood that it was good trouble, as Mr. Lewis mm -hmm. would say. So I, do, I think this is going to be a terrible backlash. And part of it is, I think, a function of their closed loop information ecosystem. I don't think any of those knuckleheads, Tennessee Republican Party, had any clue how this would blow up in their face because I don't think they look at anything outside of their very narrow, weird, right-wing uh, information ecosystem. Well, they're just so ignorant, not just the Republicans in Tennessee, but the ones who shoot themselves in the feet all over the country. But- the ignorance, the anger, coupled with right. that, coupled with the, the deep racism and fear of the other, is what drives them to make these boneheaded decisions. I mean, we saw what happened in the Supreme Court, and then look what happened in Kansas, right? And now look what happened in Wisconsin. And it's like they're so out of step with two thirds of the country or more. Right. But yet, to your point, they keep doing it. And the question is why? It's like, if you look at the last six years, they've lost every major election. I mean, with, with the exception right. of those few seats in the House, everything has been lost. But yet they still, I mean, if you watch Morning Joe, at, at least once a show, Joe is railing about how many elections they've lost. They just keep losing, 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 losing. Yet here they are again doing something yesterday, which guarantee, I mean, if, if there was ever going to be a, a, a question of whether young people or young people and or young people of color are going to be fired up as hell in Tennessee for the next election. This is it. Like, how did they not see this? I mean, it's just because we have a super majority, so let's do whatever the hell we want, like, and not I, see the forest through the trees. Like, it's just crazy. I think there are two different explanations as to why. One is more benign. One is more frightening. Uh, uh, the, the benign one is they're just kind of 
as I said before, they're in this information ecosystem where they just don't even understand, right? They just don't even see it. Mm. And, and that may be, but when you lose the popular vote, seven out of eight presidential elections exactly. never happened in all of American history. Never once, never once, not, not FDR's Democrats, not Lincoln's Republicans. No party has ever won the popular vote seven out of eight times until now. Mm-hmm. Why? And why do they not change? Well, it, it may be that they're just too clueless because they're not told the truth. And I, I would like to believe that. But when, when a party loses, it needs to broaden, not deepen mm-hmm. its support, right? It, it needs to seek out converts, not hunt down heretics. So why are they deepening? Why is Trump, who has his animal instinctual intelligence for his base, mm-hmm. why is he deepening? I, I think it's apropos of our conversation a few minutes ago. I think it's because some of them, at least Mr. Trump, are giving up on democracy. Mm-hmm. You can't win with 40% of the Republican party, which is what he's got a lock on, maybe more. You can't win the presidency from that. So why is he doing it? I, I worry, I terribly worry that this deepening, he's going to deepen it so, so deeply that people will commit violence in his name. That's what we saw January 6th. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, on January 5th, I probably would have told you that was impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was just naive and I was blind to the death of the hatred. But because I tend to think as a broadener, I, my job used to be to get 50%, 51. Right. Uh, so I just, I worry, I, I, can, I hate to use that word, but this is, um, it is a very authoritarian crypto fascist movement. It's not most Republicans. It's not. That's why so many Republicans are leaving their party. That's why Kansas has a democratic governor and abortion rights. That's why Wisconsin now has a liberal majority in the mm-hmm. Supreme Court. So I don't want to smear Republicans. I really don't. And they, they have a really hard job trying to reform their party, mm-hmm. the more moderate, sensible Republicans, the Liz Cheney Republicans. Mm-hmm. My God, I, 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 if you literally look, she voted with Trump 93% of the time. So there's nobody I disagree with more. But she is on the right side of this fight in her party, but she's losing in a landslide. Mm-hmm. So that's my worry, Andy. I, I don't need to be so dark. No, uh, so, so speaking of the, the 325-pound gorilla in the room, uh, Trump... Uh, you know, I'm like you after the election in 2020, there was that moment where it's like, all right, it'll take a little while to die down, but we're we're finally done with him. The party is done with him. It'll just, he's going to fade away. Who would have thought that two, two and a half years later, he's more powerful, stronger, and more dangerous and they are more subservient and showing more pathetic fealty than ever. I mean, look at Lindsey Graham. What is happening with him? Like, oh. what is happening with this party that in, in April of 2023, they are more in the tank with this guy and for him than ever it's before? Awful. I, I'm looking it up because I wrote this down uh, uh, the other day, uh, uh, what Lindsey said about Trump. Uh, and Lindsey Graham's a bright guy. He was an Air Force JAG lawyer for years. I mean, he's not a dumb guy, but he's a weak guy. In 2016, he called Trump a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot who can go to hell. And he will destroy the party if we nominate him and he becomes president. Absolutely. And yet now uh, he is, you know, he's Trump's laptop. Uh, it, it's, it's shameful. I think it's a function of that deepening, though. I think they're so petrified of their base. Even Fox News is scared of their base. You know, this is this is. But with with Graham, in, in, with Graham in particular, and, I, and, I, and I'm not. This is not rooted in humor. I'm not trying to be funny. There seems to be something else going on with him, whether it's changing the hair color or the crying and all that. He seems to be having an emotional episode. They're, they're, yeah. Like he's not just in the tank for Trump. He seems like he's going through something. It, this point in his life where he has just lost all sense of he he's lost whatever center he's had it's not, it's not making he's any sense fish. so you think and it's he, just cowardice just, oh yes but he's a pilot fish his whole career he's just latched on to stronger more precious species and, and so it was john mccain for a while and that was good so he's a barnacle right, so he's picking he's picking the parasites off mccain mm-hmm. okay good uh, and I didn't support McCain. I wrote a whole book opposing his candidacy, but he was a good man and a true patriot. 
And so Lindsay was a good man, a true patriot, because he was latched <laughs> onto McCain. Now he's latched onto Trump. Uh, and it's pathetic. I, 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 I just think he's, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I can't possibly psychoanalyze I never took freshman psychology. So I don't know, but I know politically, he certainly benefited from it. He was comf comfortably reelected with the Democrats spending like $100 million against him. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't make a dent in him. His state of South Carolina clearly loves Trump and loves Lindsey for loving Trump. So I guess in that sense, politically, it's worked out for him. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 when, when we know that he thinks Trump is a race-baiting, xenophobic bait, uh, and yet he sucks up to him so much, I, I think that's... It's pathetic. Mm -hmm. It really is. But this is the problem. Leaders like Senator Graham and others have to stand up. And God bless the the, the one honest person left in the Republican Party is Mitt Romney. Mm. You know, he even when Trump was running, he stood up and gave a fiery speech denouncing him and never has moved off of that. So I guess my question for Senator Graham would be, okay, you saw him as the race-baiting, xenophobic bigot that he was when he was running. What has he done to disabuse you of that? <laughs> it's like sometimes first impressions are wrong. Okay. What has Trump done to make you think, oh, goodness, he's not? Well, the irony is that he's actually done a ton of things to make that statement even more logical and real, right? Absolutely. But you mentioned Mitt Romney, and I agree with you for the most part. But even this week, Mitt Romney came out and started to attack Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA. And that, that was, he just said he thought it was not a righteous indictment, which I have to say, uh, I'm very sympathetic to that argument. Well, uh, but I, I think this is a stretch and a reach when, when other investigations of Trump, should they pan out, are so much more grave, so much more serious. But why, why does it have uh, to be uh, an either or? Why can't yeah, it be all I, of it? I fear, I could be wrong. I fear that this comparatively minor case in New York uh, will diminish the significant cases. In other words, Trump and his supporters will say, you see, this is just another one. You know, it, now, the Democrats' best argument in New York should be, and I don't hear them saying this enough, the Trump Justice Department, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, put Michael Cohen in prison for the same operative facts. And killed so the investigation at Trump's orders under Bill Barr. Well, they, 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 but they locked SDNY. up Michael Cohen. Right. They locked, they locked up Cohen for the same set of operative facts. And if you're going to indict Bonnie, you got to indict Clyde because mm. <laughs> Trump was in on that scheme. We know that. In fact, the, the Trump Justice Department said Mr. Cohen acted at the behest of and in coordination with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. They called him person number one, but it's mm -hmm. plainly Mr. Trump. So that's the best political argument is, hey, you're in Trump locked up Michael Cohen for this. And by the way, Lindsey Graham wasn't saying they were being unfair to Cohen. Where was the, the, this court? Where was Marjorie Taylor Greene? She may not have been in Congress yet, but where were all these people squealing? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the, the other side. Of my problem with this case is he's, Mr. Bragg seems to be taking a misdemeanor, which looks like he's got a good case, but that's a fine, so what? Mm -hmm. And try to bootstrap it up into a felony. Why not take a look at Georgia? I mean, we heard the tape. We heard the tape. He is not telling the Secretary of State of Georgia, hey, I'm worried about shenanigans in Georgia. Make sure you count those votes accurately, which would have been pressure, but not illegal, mm -hmm. my, my view. It would have been inappropriate, but not illegal. He literally tells him, <laughs> you have to find me 11,708 votes. And in the same phone conversation, he threatens him mm -hmm. with prosecution. Mm -hmm. So to me, that, that I don't even need... I. I Trump's entitled to defense. He should put one on. I honestly will listen to it. You know, I'm trained as a lawyer. I've never practiced, but I have a legal degree. So I, I do want to hear. But if you take the Georgia law and you take that phone call with Raffensperger and put them side by side, that's a textbook. Yeah. And they have, apparently they have another, other, another, at least one, one other call, which is also very incriminating, he, which hasn't been he made called public David yet. Ralston. Yeah. He called Ralston, who was then Speaker of the House. He's mm -hmm. passed away now. Uh, but I knew Ralston. Very canny, very savvy guy. And according to the grand juror who gave interviews, Ralston, he's pressuring Ralston to call a special session to overturn the election because the governor won't call one. Mm -hmm. Ryan Kemp, God bless mm -hmm. who I hear may take on Trump. Uh, uh, Kemp said, well, no, I'm not going to call a special session, period. Well, the legislature, the speaker can call one, but he has to have two-thirds vote to do it. And Ralston knew he didn't have two-thirds. 
But according to this grand juror whose interview on CNN I saw, she said, Ralston just said, I'll do everything in my power. <laughs> well, it wasn't within his power. Right. But so I'm not sure if that's a criminal, uh, but but the, this grand juror sure seemed to think it was problematic. Mm -hmm. I can't. So I want, I want the Georgia case. I want to know what this special counsel in, in Washington, Jack Smith, is doing. Trump sure seems scared of him. Mm -hmm. He was panic stricken at Mar-a-Lago. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the documents case seems pretty close to open and shut. Mm -hmm. At Mar-a-Lago this week, Trump admitted. He admitted. Oh, my gosh. His lawyers must be just flipping. He admitted that he had those documents mm -hmm. and he held them and was negotiating about them mm -hmm. like a hostage. My right to have that's. Yeah, he talked. Sean Hannity, evil, sir. Sean Hannity was trying so desperately to get him not to incriminate himself. And he was like, I could take them. I could take them. And then it would be my, my right to take them. But I got to push back on a couple of things. Um, I agree with you about all the other cases. But I, I also just don't believe that, you know, it, to the point of like it fuels the Trump, uh, the, the MAGAs in terms of their anger or whatever. I, I mean, right. One thing we know about Trump was he was a million percent right. Eight, uh, eight years ago when he said I could shoot someone and not lose any support. And we now know today that he could literally shoot someone and their reaction would be that nun deserved it. Like they could literally see him shoot a nun and they would be like, what did she do to our president? So it doesn't matter what case right. or they are going to be out and protesting and fighting and screaming and he's a victim and blah, 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 deep state, all that bullshit regardless of the evidence, regardless of the cases, regardless of whatever. You don't agree with that? I agree 100%. Everything triggers the MAGA base. Literally, the cartoon drawing of the green M&M triggers that. I mean, these are the most easily triggered snowflake <laughs> wussies in the world, okay? They're total babies. They wet their pants at every turn. I'm not interested in them. I am interested in thoughtful Republicans and independents. Right could look at this and say, yeah, this seems like a stretch. Whereas I don't think they'll look at what we know already in the public uh, uh, record from Georgia, the documents case, the mm -hmm. January 6th case. Mm -hmm. By the way, where the hell is the Mueller case? Right. Where the hell is Merrick Garland, Robert Mueller, a legendary Republican investigator, nailed down 10 instances mm -hmm. of obstruction of justice, chapter and verse, evidence and proof he did not charge mr trump because the justice department wouldn't let him mm -hmm. they had a rule that said you can't charge a president okay as soon as he walked out the door there was no more investigation necessary on that one andy it was tied up with a bow a andrew weissman has written about this the lead investigator for the lead mm -hmm. attorney under robert Mueller. where the hell is that case right I, and that's obstruction of justice in pursuit of helping vladimir putin defeat ukraine yeah I, I, we don't even talk about that one anymore. Because there's so much. Case, this is his genius. This is his evil genius. And he said it this week on, right. on Hannity, or I think maybe it was Mar-a-Lago. His new phrase is something like, I did it uh, out in the open. Like if he thinks, his strategy is if he does a million things and he does it out in the open, we just don't have the bandwidth to remember it all. Mm -hmm. And, and right. by the time we focus on this thing, he's already moved on to the next thing. And it's just... It, it's exhausting. That's what it is. It's, it's legally and politically exhausting. But the other thing I had right. to push back on you on is back to uh, Mitt Romney. Yes, what he said was classic Mitt Romney-ish. It wasn't inflammatory. It wasn't incendiary, any of that stuff. But in the context of what everyone else is saying, it, it's almost like a de facto uh, uh, confirmation of what those people are saying. That yes, they're right. This is a witch hunt. So it's like he said he said it, even if he didn't intend to say it, like if three people, are, you know, 20 million people are screaming that something's a witch hunt and you say, yeah, that's not really a great case. It kind of sounds like you're yeah. agreeing. You know what I mean? And it's I, like, did I, he I need to like, did he need but, to pile on this week? I, I think he felt like he had to, uh, honestly, for, for his own honesty, but also he is a Republican from Utah, not a swing state. And so politically... I think he believes it. I think there's good arguments on his side. It, I have to say it was, as a political consultant, really dumb for Mr. Bragg and Letitia James, the attorney general, to run for law enforcement positions and talk about Trump and how they were going to get him. Yeah.
It's a I, huge I, mistake. I agree with that. All you're allowed to say in those races is, I'm going to enforce the law without fear or favor. Uh, you know, I'm going to cut back, mm -hmm. you know, on uh, the exploitation, particularly black men uh, who we over-incarcerate in this country for nonviolent offenses. We know that. You could say those things. Those are policies. But you can't say, you shouldn't say, because it just gives fodder now. Well, he's repeating uh, all of it now. And, and you know, it's... Yes. Uh, if I were but him, I would do the it. same Mr. thing. Mr. shouldn't have said it. Ms. James shouldn't have said it. Yeah. You shouldn't single out anyone. Any more than when Trump said, I'm going to prosecute Hillary. Right. 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 You can't, you can't do that, I think, and, and, uh, and expect not to be criticized uh, when, you know, in fact, the case comes together in, mm -hmm. in Manhattan. Right. Well, my last subject I want to ask you about is because you're a political consultant and uh, and because you've helped elect two of what I think are the greatest presidents ever, uh, and Trump's not in that category. What do you, with 2024? I want to start with Trump as a candidate. Given that what we now know with this new news of arrest and indictment and all the Georgia and everything that that I think any normal sane person knows what's coming down the pike for him, um, is it? completely utterly off the table that this man could ever be president again but more likely that he is most likely going to be nominated again where are you with him right now and i and i ask with the, against the backdrop of god a year and a half two years is a long time in politics so i'm just saying as of as of today where do you where how do you assess his candidacy i uh, and i uh, i'm a classic pundit this way uh Never in doubt, often wrong. Right. Okay. <laughs> I have no doubt that Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I'm not 99% sure I'm 100. Uh, after news of the indictment leaked, CNN did a poll. Trump's favorable among Republicans was 74. 74. Now that's down from 94. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, his favorable with independence, 26. Mm -hmm. This is why he... I think he's unbeatable in a primary and unelectable in a general election. Mm -hmm. So why run? Because I think he he believes he can um, overturn the election. He almost did the last time. Uh, I uh, so I I think he's wrong, but I think that's what he believes that he, if he if he deepens this support among the really crazy and potentially violent French, he might be able to intimidate enough vote counters to lie mm -hmm. and to steal the election. Uh, but that's what I think. I. I I'm watching these Republicans take the field. They're impressive people in many ways. Ron DeStuntis, what I call him, because he does a stunt, <laughs> then he goes on the next thing, then a stunt. It's like, really? Like a book about a trans kid is going to threaten my child more than an AR-15? Like, I can't stand a guy politically, but I respect that he got reelected by 19 votes mm -hmm. in a very tough state. So I respect that. Trump is going to be on him like the Baron of Revenant on Leonardo DiCaprio. Is he going to run? Do you think DeSantis is going to run? This, I, he may wuss you out. He, I, mean, he, I think this guy has got a glass I've jaw. I've been saying that for him. weeks now. First, you, you've been right. You've been totally right. I, I, I believe that running for president is like a prison movie. You go in in the first act and you punch the biggest guy in cell block R in the <laughs> nose. And then you get to be the bull goose mm -hmm. of cell block R. Right. And, you know, back in the day, look, I, I was for Hillary, but Obama did that to Hillary. Fairly. He didn't say anything is across the line. Okay. But this is not beanbag. He whacked the most powerful person in the Democratic Party he was running against and beat her. And that's how this is done. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't enjoy it as a Hillary supporter, but I admire it as a strategist mm -hmm. because it, it, you're right, power never concedes without a fight. Right. Liberty's not given. It's taken. Right. And hmm. you want to beat Trump. You have to beat Trump. <laughs> and you can't pussyfoot around the way Mr. DeStuntis does uh, or, or Nikki Haley or any of the rest of these. Pence. They're impressive in many ways. Pence. Tim Scott, watch him. He is running a, a Facebook ad, but he's running a really good ad about his Christian values. He is not a hater. He's not a grievance mm -hmm. candidate. But he, he has real appeal to me. Maybe that's why he doesn't have real appeal for Republicans. He's very, very conservative. But I look at all of them. The only one who stands up on his hind legs is Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. And and Chris Sununu sometimes, but I, I, I'd be surprised if Sununu winds up running. But mostly, they won't attack the guy they're trying to beat. How do you expect to beat him? I love 
negative campaign. In fact, I, I supported Obama when he beat Hillary. And Hillary Clinton herself, sorry to like name drop, but she asked me personally, I came to her office. We had a long talk, spent a whole afternoon together, re kind of capitulating the race. And she said, it's very important to me that you publicly support Barack. And I said, I have one question. Is he tough enough? Because he seems so nice, you know? And she laughed and she said, I've run against him. And I know he's tough enough. And that's her most important value, right? Mm -hmm. She cannot stand weakness. She said, I promise you, he will be tough enough to be president. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. And that was all I needed. So I wrote him a check. I went to a fundraiser and I handed it to him. But in the little notation, I put for negative campaigning only. <laughs> and he laughed and I said, Senator, I'm worried you're too nice a guy. And he said, don't worry. Mm. And uh, don't you I mean. worry, he's Paul. A, I, think, <laughs> I think he's a really nice guy. I really do. I think he's an exceptional person. Mm -hmm. But when he had to, he punched the other side of the mm -hmm. nose, whether it was uh, uh, Hillary, McCain, or Romney. All fair. But he understood if you want to win this, you have to fight for it. And uh, these people running against Mr. Trump, they have to fight for it. And they are not willing to. So Trump's going to be the nominee. Who do you, I mean, I what, and what do you make of Pence? Talk about fealty and cowardice. He, I think he is increasingly breaking with Trump, though. It's taking him more time than what you or me. But Trump, Trump supported people who wanted to murder him and his family <laughs> for real. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't get you off the truck train. But, you know, it was little noted because of the story out of Manhattan. But the vice president, former vice president, has dropped his appeal mm -hmm. about appearing before the grand jury huge. investigating January 6th. And I know Mike Pence. I don't really know Trump, but I knew Pence years ago when he was on the Hill. He is a devoutly religious person, and he will not lie under oath. I, 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 I promise you that. And the truth is not Trump's friend. Mm -hmm. And, and Trump ought to be really, really worried if, if the vice president for Trump is going to testify against Trump, that is a highly credible source. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I wish he would do more in public to take him on. He is increasingly, he, he did a session with CNN last week. And again, he decried the indictment in Manhattan, mm -hmm. but I wonder what he might say about an indictment around January 6th, where he was there and targeted by those murderous rioters. Do you think, and this is. I mean, I can't even on some level believe I'm about to ask you this, given what I feel about him. But because two years is a long time in politics or a year and a half, is there any scenario where somehow Pence rises above the ashes, go, goes after Trump the way we need, we know someone needs to, somehow convinces the base that he's the real Messiah because he, I mean, he yeah. really is compared to Orange Jesus, right? And and somehow, like the guy we think the least of today becomes. I mean, yeah. you know better than anyone that the people you're talking about today are not the ones that are going to finish the game, right. and the ones that are like, you know, the the long shots come out of nowhere, right? So, right. It, Brandon Johnson, the new Chicago mayor elect, was two percent. Yeah, first poll. yeah. Now he's mayor elect. So, can Pence do it? I just don't think so. I think in a different way, but similar to the stuntist, he lacks the performance skills. You know, he used to do talk radio. And yet before he became a politician, he used to call himself Rush Limbaugh on decaf. Because at his heart, he's just not a hater. I would even go far and, and say like he's Rush Limbaugh on decaf with oat milk and whipped like you, you could just kid, you, you know what i mean like he is like the the least courageous drink starbucks whatever so, uh, yeah. no. so i just don't think he's got the performance skills mm -hmm. i just don't um uh, and i don't know the republican base i really don't they're not my people uh but i grew up with them you know, i grew up in a small town in texas my congressman was tom delay okay and he was the town liberal Brutal. <laughs> that was a sure, brutal dude. Texas. By comparison today, jeez. By comparison, yeah, I'm not sure what Mr. Delay is up to anymore. But, but uh, as I do, I have roots, and I and I told you, I live on a farm in a county that voted 71 percent for Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have some, you know, connection with these folks. And it, here's what they say: what they want the most is a fighter, and Trump is a fighter. Um, the problem is. What if in two years, this is Pence's scenario, maybe people get exhausted with the fight. Maybe they say, 
can't I just have a, a good Christian conservative who's not always with what we Catholics call the Michigas, right? <laughs> All the craziness. Nice dropping that on Passover week. There you go. I, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they're tired of the fight. Well, they see more. Nickel, they see more. The more. The right. more. The more yeah. they learn about how awful he is, the more they support him. That's the crazy thing. That's right. This is what I didn't understand, that it was the feature, not the bug. Mm-hmm. They didn't support Trump despite his racism, sexism, misogyny, xenophobia. They supported him because of it. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking to have to deal with. Uh, but that's not the majority of Republicans. It's not the majority of the country. Uh, my Republican friends who believe I'm wrong, right? I have friends who are Republican strategists. You know, they point out there's a huge differential between Trump's approval, 74, among the party Republicans, and his vote, which is like 34. Mm-hmm. They actually think he's in big trouble. I disagree. But they say, dude gets 74% say they like him, but only 34% going to vote for him. That's the exhausted majority of the Republican Party. So they're more help- hopeful. I am not. Mm-hmm. I, I have bet on the sanity of the Republican base and lost every time. <laughs> well, my my money's on you, Paul Bagala. Uh, I'm with you. And uh, uh, so, uh, by the way, you, you you made me look good to a lot of people who I've been saying DeSantis isn't going to run. But we'll, we, we shall see on that one. But um, and you made right, Jen and right. my on my team here very happy because she's been talking about Tim Scott for a long time as, as coming up and going to surprise everybody. But it's always great to have you on. You're a super smart, funny guy. And uh, we look forward to our next chat and uh, hope to this see you soon. great, Andy. I, I, I love doing this. I'm really grateful that you, you allow me into the back room where it all happens. Oh, this is, this is where it's happening. This is the room you want to be in. Just take care, Paul. Thanks, buddy. That's episode 60. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn in the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Paul Bagala. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.